sun, looking out for number one. California, here we come, right back where we started from. Oh, hustles, grab your Oh, welcome to Infinity License, everybody. We have mics and monitors, and uh, we're ready to go. And this is, do you want to talk about how this is the last episode of Infinity License? This is unfortunately the the last episode of Infinity License. We're moving. We're moving to a new studio. But wait, we're moving to yeah, we're moving <laughs> a new to, studio in the space, the mind space that is your mind, <laughs> and a new a new brand and a new a new podcast. It's name. a new day, and we're gonna be yeah, it's gonna be huge. We're going to the it's West Coast. Uh, we're moving out to L.A. Uh, to um, you know become uh, street performers. We're we're living the dream. We're finally gonna we're finally gonna do what everyone wanted to do is, which is just go down to Sunset Boulevard and and beg for money like, with our podcast equipment. Most of the dream of what we always wanted to do just involved living in like a really small house that necessitated sharing a bed. But the other, like, make it in Hollywood part is also going to be cool. Yeah. I, I look forward to it. And our career is going to take off. I've already got an agent. Yeah? yeah. What's his name? His name... Dirk Dingley? Dirk Dingley. Dirk Diggler. <laughs> it's Dirk, it was Dirk Diggler's agent. Um, <laughs> he says he's, he's very... He's going to get me into some films. Uh, I'm going to be... You a, got a face. Yeah, he's going he's gonna, to... I'm going to be a star. So we're look, look forward to that. So look forward uh, to our newest podcast coming out. We'll plug it at the end. I think at the end of the episode. Yeah, we should. Yeah, we'll, we'll wait until either wait or just now skip ahead. Uh, but don't skip too far ahead because we're probably going to try to make the last eleven seconds of this podcast. Fans of t- fans in Tajikistan, we're not abandoning you. We will still talk to you. Fans in Indonesia, fans in Ontario, Canada. That was a new oh, one. Our friends in, in, our, in like Hamilton. Yeah, I think not Alexander Hamilton the musical. Uh, anyway, so uh, there's uh, we got a little bit of weather out here. A little bit of weather. Yeah, I mean it's weather. I mean the, the weather in New York is also not good, but uh, uh, we <laughs> weather across the country is terrible right now. But. Weather is the main story in the news right now, and uh, hurricane. Hurricane Matt Harvey is hitting (laughs) Houston right now. Yeah, Hurricane Matt Harvey. uh, The Mets, in typical fashion, too, of course, couldn't resist. Matt Harvey's first start in over two months after coming back from injury will be in their game against Houston, which was supposed to take place in Houston, but I don't think will be taking place in Houston anymore. I think it's actually rescheduled for Tampa Bay. But in typical Mets fashion, and of course, they had Matt Harvey, who has been hurt almost the entire season, pitching against their team just as a just as a subtle reminder it's like hey your city is still messed up <laughs> well it reminds me of when the uh the bears um were playing the saints the the, the saint remember the saints right after hurricane katrina were uh you know the symbol of this like fl- flood ravaged then resurgent city yeah and yeah. they also like that was the first year with drew Brees, and they were going to be like they were just an insane team they went to the nfc championship yeah got beat by the bears and <laughs> i felt great about it i'm sorry yeah or like the uh, diamondbacks with the yankees after 9-11 too that was, <laughs> that, that was well that's i mean no arizona's <laughs> like the antithesis of uh of like new york and you know positive values at this point there could have been a worse i mean it could have been worse if it were uh i guess the the arizona diamondbacks like what team would have been worse beating the yankees that year in the world series braves maybe yeah maybe the braves maybe the dodgers the pirates i don't know the name yeah (laughs) Uh, after the uh the the 9-11 uh 10th anniversary um was like the Jets versus the Cowboys because they wanted to make it like the New York team. Yeah, versus, versus the, yeah, I remember that game. But it should have been the Jets versus the Steelers. I was, I think I was at that game. Yeah, you went to that game. No, I definitely went to. 
Uh, I don't remember. I don't remember a lot of the <laughs> Jets games to go to. Anyway, all right. Um, okay, so Hurricane Harvey is hitting Houston, and it's uh, the problem with it is that it was like kind of a perfect storm of events because like Houston already basically shouldn't exist. Yeah, as a city, it's kind of like in a frying pan that's just meant to overflow. And Hurricane Harvey. I went to Houston in March once, and I was like, "This is." This is unbearable. This wow, is it, hot? it was so hot. It was March. It was mid-March. And I was like, how do these people live here? And it was just wet. It was just sticky the whole time. And you're just like, uh, no, thank can you. Can you imagine what it's like right now? Yeah, terrible. I'm surprised that water can gather if it like just doesn't evaporate that quickly. You I know? know. It's like sizzling off. Yeah. But Hurricane Harvey made landfall. It was like, then it just chilled for a while and rained. It set a new record in the U.S. continent for rainfall. Yeah. Already. And it's going to, it's still raining. The, the rain, that, yeah, it's continuing through tomorrow. And you know how you look at the radar on like the Weather Channel? It's normally when it's really bad, it's dark red. It was blue. It was, it was <laughs> like, it would have transcended the spectrum of color into this. Like, I was like, what? That just, just, just turns into it a just picture turned of, into of like water. <laughs> <laughs> oh jeez! <It's> <laughs> yeah. um, At least somebody's getting wet around here. <laughs> there it is. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. No, so it's, it's tough times for Houston. Um, you know, and I think that one thing that's uh, you know of political interest is that Houston is obviously where the South is from, mm-hmm. and uh, the South is where politicians are from who don't like funding for anything you're right and uh you know uh we were just talking about this before the podcast like ron paul is from houston and he's had a lot of uh sort of um penurious things to say about like how the government shouldn't pay for flood relief yeah and um ted cruz is a senator from texas who didn't want to pay for uh you know hurricane sandy relief in 2012 yeah and now they're requesting it and it's kind of caused like this northeastern versus Southern, uh, well, versus Texas Republican, like internecine fight. And they're like, on Twitter, they're like, we'll fund you, even though you didn't fund us. Which yeah. is like, yeah, they're yeah. all, yeah, you're all heroes. Well, Congratulations. Yeah. yeah doing P- a reasonable thing. Peter, Peter King tried to seem magnanimous and like a, the benevolent uh, New Yorker. He's like, well, we're not going to leave, we're not going to leave Texas in the dust the, the way they tried to for Hurricane Sandy relief, which is, you know, which is true. Which it's it's unfortunate that we there's this weird expectation that, uh, you know, like Ted Cruz drives me nuts on this because and there was the one moment that Donald Trump actually got everybody in New York on his side during the Republican primary when Ted Cruz was like, well, he has he has those New York values, and then Trump was like, you're offending me, also, which is code for the uh, the sheriff's badge, yeah. as we call it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, um, you mean you mean uh, gay people, right? <laughs> yeah, uh, gay Zionists. You gay Zionists um, that we all are here in New York City. But he, he just Ted Cruz just looks at this and he's like, "Yeah, these New York values." And Trump was like, "Screw you, man! You love to you love to just talk about nine eleven nonstop." But that was I. There's plenty of people in New York that are good people, and, and I was sitting there watching t- Donald Trump do it. And I'm like, "Damn it." It was, a, it was a good example of his uncanny political instincts. He's like he warmed his way out of that in such a great way. God yeah, and he did, went and dunked on Ted Cruz at the same time, and he wormed out where he's just like, "Oh, I can just I see an easy slam." Because Republicans uh, have no yeah. answer for nine eleven. Right, one of the it's basically the founding of their you know their modern like kill the terrorists. Right, and and but they but they still won't end Ted Cruz for that matter, and other uh, representatives from the South and Mitch McConnell and other people that also refuse to vote for bills that. Sent federal relief to people that were uh, first responders after 9/11 and were 
suffering major health setbacks and they're like we just can't afford it we but but anyway i'll i'll gladly wave the flag every time and talk about 9-11 and how it changed my life and transcended me it's like dude you don't even you don't live here you don't like yeah. you, you don't live here you hate like, the people who had actually victimized yeah it. they're exactly. the, they're the globalists you know the, the globalists, globalists the, yeah <laughs> uh, the sorry, minorities alex, and, <coughs> alex jones voice real quick sorry <laughs> every time somebody says globalist I, to, oh, I gotta <laughs> pull over i'm so angry i don't know why i'm still streaming i talk on the radio for six hours a day i'm just so angry <laughs> by my nootropics it's the same shit glenn paltrow sells <laughs> makes your pussy wet makes my dick hard no! alex alex easy easy buddy okay he's off he's done <laughs> when he's Possession by Alex. Let's yeah. not invite him back on. No, I know. Jeez, oh, he's just the worst. But yeah, it just drives me nuts that they they'll look. They, I mean, it's just. I mean, it's politics as usual too. They they just kind of. But they kind of look for any excuse to be like to screw over northeastern states. But at the same time, maybe not the case with Texas, but certainly like we pay out a, a ton of money to, uh, you know, New York and California pay a ton of money into the system that goes. Into Alabama and yeah, we're, Mississippi. We're, we're at risk of turning this podcast into just a uh, a venue for complaining about how the North are net contributor. Or the, yeah, as I call it, the North. It's like the you know the the, the main part of the country. You know? Yeah, the, <laughs> you know the, the part of the country that, that contributes to the, the economy. Talk and, about yeah. <laughs> when you talk about America, you're talking about that part of the country. Oh, the, the centers of culture and economy. <laughs> yeah. Excuse me, I'm sorry. Yeah, uh, well, the, yeah. So this center of, of you know culture, the, you know the real America. That's just a flat hot wasteland full of <laughs> meth heads and <laughs> opioid addicts. Uh, this is going to get you in trouble one day once uh, you try Good. to run for governor of uh, Kentucky. Good. Fight me, Kentucky. Kentucky. Well, Kentucky's hilly enough that you'll be able to avoid. No, fight me. It was part of them. Fight me. I'll say fight me, Arkansas. Let's yeah, go with that. Arkansas cannot take you. Yeah, yeah there you go. Um, there's, there's a few issues that are in play here. Uh, in addition to, yeah, so Sandy got a $50 billion aid package back in the day, and now something's going to have to be done <laughs> for, for Houston. And it's funny because it's like um, the Republican Congress that's going to have to vote on it, it ha already has such a full plate. They have to... Uh, Pass the debt ceiling. Yeah, or raise the debt ceiling. They have to pass a budget. They're probably going to have to pass a stopgap. You know, there's a risk of a shutdown. Well, Trump, uh, Trump was threatening one. He, he's threatening one because of the wall. Yeah, but also even aside from that, the Pink Floyd the, album. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> is yeah, that he, the wall we've all been talking about? <laughs> yeah, and he's the flying pig. Yeah, yeah, um, or, yeah the pig in charge. Uh, but I mean, no. Even aside from that, there was Republican demands that, like, you know, the, the, there's hardcore conservatives that don't want to pay. You know, any any debt ceiling raise has to be accompanied by budget cuts or spending well, cuts and elsewhere. That's what, and that's what the and I don't know if there, there might actually be a debt standoff with them. And the and um, but they're gonna have to come to in, in the in the course of all that they're gonna have to figure out funding. For um, Houston and uh, no, I just—that's always the case. That's what happens with and they, they the Ted Cruz's and Mitch McConnell's of the world and all that stuff try to say that these bills are filled with like pork and that that's why they won't do it because they're like, oh well, it's really just a sneaky way to fund Planned Parenthood or something yeah, ridiculous um, when it's not. Uh, and and that's really all I had to say about that. Or it's in just, the course it, of uh, of kind of researching what what's going on in Houston and like what. You know what? What contributed to this, right? Like, yeah. um, there's the question of so obviously climate change is, is at play, and I mean, it's you know it, it's going to be um, harder and harder for people to ignore. I mean, like you don't have to say the climate change caused this, but it just set a rec. We just set a record for rainfall on this continent, and like it's going to get set again at some point right. real soon. So like, 
you know, I don't, as the evidence. Well, it's it's going to be. I, I don't want to see this because I honestly thought I was. You know, I am a firm believer in climate change, but I thought it was going to happen at a pace where people wouldn't almost wouldn't notice it because that's kind of seems to be the argument for a lot of actually climate scientists say that the problem with climate change is it's hard selling people on because it's it's going to be this incremental thing and by the time we're already past the red line that then it, it's it's too late the horse the guy, is out of the barn you yeah know? totally uh, um, and so that's what the thing is that i thought that and um, i don't know it'll be interesting to see these people in real time try to walk back and be like no, it's just because of the, like I I don't know how they can deny it at, to this point where it's just it's clearly it, Houston in modern times has never seen this amount or the United continental United States has not seen this amount of rain uh, and and it could be attributed directly to to climate change and uh, and that I I just want to see how they walk back and be like no but just because they're they're just so, such staunch defenders and at the end of the day their defense of climate change is really only because they're in the pocket of the uh, oil and gas industry and and they somehow are firmly believe that they're like, no, 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 no. We just need to trust and believe in, in whatever ExxonMobil and Rex Tillerson and his cronies have to say. And I don't know why they're just... Which feeling. involved actively trying to cover up research on climate change. Yeah, they right? did. I mean, if you read um, Steve Call's book, Private Empire, um, is really great about, and a huge part portions about Rex Tillerson, about just how actively they just try to just game the system and game any reporting they had to do on emissions and any, any reporting they had to do on what they're discovering about the way the climate works. Um, and they just suppressed it because they're like, well, we're still making... We're making hay over here, so you, you really can't, you know, you, you can't just fight us on that. Like, yeah. One of my favorite, by the way, takes on, on Rex Tillerson when he got nominated was like Rex Tillerson is, yeah, he's a, you know, global plut- plutocrat, but he also is arguably the individual that has spent the most money in direct response to countering climate change. Yeah. Because not only did ExxonMobil... Uh, yeah, they, they deliberately covered it up, as has been covered in numerous places, but also they covered up research and, and promoted counter research. But also they, um, you know, had to retrofit drilling platforms yeah. because they knew that in anticipation of rising sea levels. And so having invested, like overseeing the investment of millions of dollars, which not a lot of people have just spent simply because the, the ocean was rising. Right. Um, Rex Tillerson actually was like one of the most. Uh, had one of the mo- the clearest front row seats to climate change, and actually, I think that he w- he has been a voice for like we need to acknowledge this in the administration. It's just ironic that you know yeah, well, it's, that, it, that alone would be good if he could. That's cr- the crazy that part about this is that Rex Tillerson seems to be the one with he he won't he he kind of denied and or disavowed Trump's statements about the things that happened in Charlottesville, and now is kind of speaking up on the, this issue that has become a national security issue at this point with the climate. And also, I mean, and I just don't understand how people in middle America who are the climate science deniers, the regular people, not like, I understand why the Ted Cruz's of the world are climate science deniers. I don't understand. I that. do because they're just, because they're just so firmly entrenched in this just ideology and they're just such stubborn assholes that they just can't go back on it. I think that. if they're doing it because it's politics, Ted and Cruz it's politi- is smart enough to know that climate change is real. I mean, yeah. if he actually d- dug into it, it's, it's but, worse. It's but, uh, worse that he I, still says this. I, now as I'm reading, this is what I wanted to talk to you about before, but as I'm also another book reference, but I'm reading Jane, uh, Jane Mayer's uh, Dark Money about the Koch brothers. The Koch brothers, what I'm finding out about the Koch brothers and their family is basically the Koch brothers are a family of Mr. Burns's. They're just, they're just all, the, everyone, like the, the, all the siblings, uh, the Koch brothers' parent, like father, the mother, their mother. It was essentially like, what, like if Mr. Burns had a wife, then she's quite good. She's turning me on. on. <laughs> 
Um, but they're so like even they're like Mr. Burns in the sense that uh, they they just fund all these things that basically make middle Americans think that no, it's it's they're li- they're hardcore libertarian anti-government interventionists who just want to make middle American people think that the government is screwing them over, because partially because Fred Koch I think or his, his, the father actively assisted both the Nazi regime and the Soviet Union in developing their oil and gas uh, drilling and development and distribution networks. Anything for a buck. <laughs> exactly. But because of the way the Soviet Union treated him after he had like worked with them to develop uh, his fields, they were like, we're going to take after you, we're, we're going to take over America and all that stuff. And he was like, kind of, he's like, Oh, I'm scared by it. And he came back like frightened. And then his kids, one of his kids, Got away with vehicular manslaughter, which is just like straight out of the Mr. Burns playbook. It's also <laughs> out of the Kennedy playbook. That's true. That's Kennedy playbook. I guess everybody, everyone in power. Why does everyone in power just run somebody over? Like, that's like, it's, <laughs> it's, a, it's too literary, perfect of a microcosm, of a, a, a metaphor for what they do yeah, to the country. Yeah. But anyway, so uh, my point is that I, I just, I want to reach out to people of in the, who are the regular, I guess Houston is also a city. Houston, even though it is uh, from a red state, Houston is a pretty liberal city as far as I, I mean, they've elected, they've, uh, their mayor was a, uh, was a lesbian woman, uh, or I think it's currently. Houston had a, well, their mayor uh, right no, now no, is no, Sylvester it, Turner, it, who yeah, sounds yeah, like a Southern no, cat. Yeah, I don't know. No, it was, uh, I mean, it was within the past five or 10 years. Like I can't remember her name, but she, they had a lesbian woman as mayor. And it's That's like crazy. one of the, it's one of the, if you look on the national elections there, the Houston itself goes blue and as does like Austin. I think there's a lot of minorities in Houston. Right? Yeah. Yeah. That, that I, don't, I think that culturally it's probably still very deep South. Texas. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's true. Yeah, but anyway, I'm um, just, just saying. Re- that, regarding yeah. the um, uh, the like debate over the the flood um, funds and and whether we should give any, I I think the one thing to say about it is like it really starts from a, a pretty shitty assumption that kind of undergirds a lot of like libertarian ish ideology, which is the idea of decoupling. Uh, outcomes from what's deserved you know it's like yeah i can't help you if you did that you know yeah and it really doesn't take that so the idea is that um you know don't move there if it's um if you know if you know it's a risky area to move right um which gets into the flood insurance which we should talk about in a second but um but it, it requires that in order for you to not help someone once their house is flooded it requires you on a human level to with a clear conscience say they deserve this and that's bullshit because The um, and I mean this is kind of an obvious statement, but I th- feel like it bears mentioning because that there's like this debate within the Republicans right now, like should we do this? You know, is this right? I think even some of the there's even representatives from Texas that are saying we shouldn't, um, you know, try to re- uh, th- th- they're trying to withhold something, right? Because they're kind of conflicted about should the government spend any money on at all, and um, it's like the one one thing that I was thinking was like I, there this happens, the people that move there are people like that just. Like if I got a job in Houston and I, you know, would go find affordable housing that I could, you know, I, right, I could live right. in, I'm not going to check, you know, what's the hundred year flood plan. Right. And given how many people around that area probably don't believe in global warming, you know, th- yeah. the fact that they can have, they have a remote enough relationship with the rising ocean to think that it's not actually rising should indicate how un- infrequently this happens. It's not, it's not a moral failing that they're there. Right. And it's also what drives me nuts about that argument too, is that, is that as if every person were a homesteader that were building their own house and all that stuff. And it wasn't as if, again, another both failing and confluence of government and 
private capital coming together where it's like really how people move into places is that developers that have political connections or political influence develop real estate with the idea of making a ton of money and they either grease grease the palms of somebody either just via political influence or just monetary influence and say okay we're going to build we're going to build this complex here without any regard for like environmental study or like we'll we'll disregard environmental studies it's what i mean it's what developers do it's what oil and gas companies do for sure all the time and they and it's not like it's not like somebody like you said who just moved to houston is like well i got a job in houston so i'm gonna move and then this is like the place where i can afford to pay my house it's not like they were like oh well i you know i looked at you know it's my fault for living in this in this place that i chose that i actively chose it's 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 not it's not this idea this ideal that people have in their mind where they just built they built up their house from scratch and and, and well are they are they exploited yeah. and I, I think that gets into the the nfip issue which is that there's this program which is very controversial for a good reason which is the national flood insurance program and, and the idea is that um at one time there was like a concern that uh people weren't going to be able to afford insurance and it was kind of an affordable housing mm. issue. And so they in- enacted this federal program to subsidize basically. Well, because, um, and because also because insurance companies wouldn't touch it because they would you know, like a private insurance wouldn't do it. It wouldn't mess with it because they would. Yeah. But yeah, I think that the, the, one of the, one of the good ways that insurance works, like for example, it doesn't work at all in healthcare because no. the incentives it like, it's structurally not able to work well because the incentives are crossed. Right. If you, See what what insurance companies are good at. It's actuarial stuff. It's right. figuring out how many people in a thousand are going to die and of what. Right. Statistically, this many people will crash their car. Not everyone's going to crash their car tomorrow. So yes, exactly. yeah, exactly. And so, and they're pretty good. And one good way to apply that expertise is in like floodplains because, um, like, relative to which is relevant in the the uh, this program, uh, they um price out how they give loans to people based on a floodplain map and like how likely it's, it is to happen. But the floodplain map is put out by FEMA and FEMA right. does a really, sh- because they're like a government bureaucracy, they do a really shitty job of updating it. And so basically the, the way that these loans are priced out are never actually uh, current with the actual flood risk, which right. as we know, as we know is constant or as, as we're willing to acknowledge is constantly an increasing risk of flood in low lying areas. Yeah. So um, there's uh, this, this, problem where there's uh basically they they set out this affordable housing ish uh program to help people uh you know afford insurance and then it ends up actually kind of completely countervailing the entire purpose of of flood insurance which is like this is actually a good opportunity to have an a a industry that's good at actuarial stuff try to price out how risky it is to live in certain areas yeah and um I mean, the program is underwater. <laughs> uh, it's in like $26 billion of debt, which is like the least of my, I mean, like for like taxpayer worrying people, whatever, I think we spend money on really stupid How many shit. Bitcoin is that? That's what I'm really concerned it's about. 14 at this point. Yeah, exactly. 14 Bitcoin. <laughs> and like 89 million Dogecoin. Yeah. Uh, yeah, which is obviously what it's going to eventually be paid off in. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to, the government's going to have an ICO and uh, they're going to, it's going to be called the Dalcoin. Uh, yeah. The- <laughs> <laughs> Or cent coin or something, they go, or they call it uh, how many Hamilton, how many Hamilton bucks or like <laughs> Hamilton. Hamilton coins, <laughs> Hamil coins. We'll call it Trump bucks. It's uh, the greatest currency in the world. <laughs> They're very good. It's the smartest cryptocurrency. It's the <laughs> yeah, be really smart. It's a blockchain. It's such a long chain. Baron, it's a hard Baron, chain. Baron made it for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so like, uh, there's there's this there's a legitimate argument about what is the utility of this federal program that's totally incentivizing the wrong things. I think it actually, I agree with it. I mean, like aside from the issue of should we uh, bail out people whose 
lost their entire livelihood? The answer is an unequivocal yes. It's not yeah. that long. It doesn't take that long to figure that out. But um, there's a good reason to end it. And not only is it that it's like it, it's remo- it's not it's ta- removing the free market from an area where it actually could do some good, but also if you had people constantly facing the actual pr- like changing price of moving into a low-lying area, they probably would have to confront the reality of rising ocean levels more. Yeah. So the National Flood Insurance Program might actually be a dissuading thing, like something that keeps the reality of climate change more remote from people. And right. That's also something to counter. So you're saying that because dealing with the National Flood Insurance Program, people will just people will be dissuaded because they're like, oh, okay, I know that this is an area covered by that, and I'll just uh, and I'll either have to deal, I'll have to deal with the headache that is dealing with the National Flood Insurance Program, which a lot of people, I mean, you can talk to people out in the rock. Rockaways now it's still dealing. Sandy was how many years ago, and there's still people dealing with like rebuilding their homes or the fucking MTA still dealing with it because they shut down yeah, the they my two service every yeah. weekend, and I can't even get in the city. And they, they shut Luckily, down the- we're moving to Hollywood to become uh, yeah. <laughs> we're L.A. We're coming at you. Look out, La La Land. I hope you're not near the ocean. Like, I haven't actually done the research. Well, uh, there's this. If they are so there's. There's something about too about Breezy Point where apparently they the rumor about Breezy Point out in the Rockaways is that since there are a bunch of cops and firefighters, they thought that they weren't covered by the National Flood Insurance Program. So what they did was they started a fire in their homes purposely to n- get the insurance money because they're like, well, we're covered by fire insurance and we don't want to deal with the national. F- this is a rumor. This is a this is a yeah, r- yeah, this is a rumor. I'm not t- I'm not, one. <laughs> I'm not reporting this, but there is like a stated rumor that I've heard that the that the the f- cops and firefighters in Breezy Point didn't want to deal with uh, the, the the Irish Riviera didn't want to deal with the National Flood Insurance Program, so they purposely torched their own houses, and that's why in the Breezy Point, all the houses are right on top of each other, and they're all like wood houses, and there there was just an inferno in the middle of the, I think they all just left them to, to burn. Um, wow. yeah, so there's a couple of square blocks that are just like totally torched. Um, I want to send uh, John Stossel to go report on that because John Stossel wrote like a kind of famous column. Um, that's like it was like confessions of a welfare queen. Oh, fucking John Stossel, oh, the, the worst. worst. Fucking Broomface. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he will be called Broomface from now. Any reference from now on, it's John Stossel's Broomface. Uh, and his like nephew who can't stop shitting himself. Did you ever read no, that? I didn't know Scott that. Stossel wrote a uh, article about um, well, he has some sort of debilitating anxiety disorder in the Atlantic. Oh, the only, I did read that. That the was only thing wait, I hold on, that's John Stossel's son. I didn't no, know. No, no, it's his nephew. Oh, it's his nephew. Oh my god, I didn't know that. Where he's just like throwing up and shitting himself nonstop. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, and like hand his forward or something. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. his anxiety for- is so bad. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, he, I think I've. <laughs> He clearly wrote, so he wrote this article about how he had really bad anxiety and something about it made him take really bad, violent, I assume liquid shits. And um, the article was like a deeply researched, deeply personal, you know, thing. And it was an excerpt from his book that he wrote, which someone read and said it was really boring. Um, But the only thing that I, and I'm assuming anyone else, took away from it was that this story about how Scott Stossel went to visit the Kennedys or something, which is like a humble brag. Um, and, uh, uh, in, you know, Martha's Vineyard or whatever, and got caught in like, he like just had to find the nearest bathroom to like, just let out his explosive bowel. And he got there 
and it was some sort of like dumb and dumber type sequence where not only was there not toilet paper, but then as um, he like heard in horror that like there was like all the cocktail party was starting to gather outside, and so everyone was gonna hear him like just, just blow his <laughs> asshole out. <laughs> and it was, it was this whole anecdote in the middle of like this like you know very proper like you know northeastern grad school Atlantic yeah. article. Yeah, I was like I, this is the only thing I'm gonna remember from this whole year's <laughs> worth of this magazine. <laughs> Anyway, um, Scott, so John Stossel, his equally full of shit <laughs> uncle, uh, wrote an article about how he built an a, a ocean, oceanside house and was like, this was a stupid place to build a house, but it was okay for me to do because you're paying for it. And then he like jokes about how it got like destroyed by the ocean a bunch of times, but every time he just like casually collected insurance and like the government paid for him to rebuild it. Yeah. And so what you're saying is that, that if, if this is actually how difficult it is to deal with the NFIP... He probably didn't do that, yeah, and maybe yeah. one of those stories is full of shit. Yeah, well, uh, I, I don't believe anything that John Stossel says. <laughs> That's good policy. The yeah. last thing to say about this is that um, there, w- so that is definitely a policy that sh- that bears um, like reconsideration. Uh, it's worth mentioning that Obama signed an executive order uh, saying that um, if you ex- this is like a pretty typically like Obama like half measure. Yeah, but it was that. If you accept federal dollars in flood relief, you have to, quote unquote, well, actually, I don't know what the actual quote is, but it's something along the lines of you have to strongly consider the impact of like flood likelihood when you construct again. Right. Right. Like in, again, referencing the Rockways, that any new house that gets built up, they have to be built on stilts a certain height and they they had to build the dunes up and New York State had to put up money to put up like dunes to build them to a certain height that would make them or make that area of safe for like residential uh construction right somewhat yeah. countering in other words the possible uh deleterious effect of having you know federal money basically just encourage people to build to the beach trump ended that he just countered the executive order he signed another executive order saying that this is going to kill jobs you know like this is more government big regulation and uh so he ended that so yeah it, 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 this in the same stroke as like we could talk about like ending this dumb law that's incentivizing bad behavior so that like so that we're all like a nation of sicily who like builds houses like next to the volcano and then what do you know the volcano erupts <laughs> and it's like by the way this is possibly a bad joke to make but like we had an eclipse recently we're having like a million year flood. How many more signs does God need to send that we have like gravely offended him before we start to Once I see locusts. If I see locusts in Prospect Park, then I'll be like, I'm convinced. I like right now I'm at the point where I'm just like, well, I don't know. I think <laughs> Whole Foods is going to try to start selling locusts as like, you know, this is an efficient source of protein. And then one of them is going to get out. Yeah. Like uh, escape like a, a fishery in Arkansas, you know. But, well, that's it, like a, a locust tree. A, lo- uh, a locust tree. A, lo- a, lo- <laughs> a locust tree that, uh, th- that Jeff Bezos is flying into Whole Foods to cater to all the uh, the protein conscious people. Do you, do you think that's why the Seattle Mariners are selling crickets at the game? Because it was just Jeff Bezos. You didn't know that? that I didn't. No, you you're know, right. I didn't yeah, even put that together. Yeah, so like, but because it's Seattle, Amazon was like, hey, what? What if we what if we sell them crickets? Like, let's see how far we can get with it. Like, We're let's try <laughs> out all their crazy new like asparagus water bullshit yeah. concoctions on drunk baseball fans. And yeah, they're like, look, they'll they'll these dummies will eat it if we convince yeah. them. And also, I'll be honest, I kind of want to eat the crickets at if I go to if I go to Safeco Field. I would I try it. I mean, it's yeah. obviously going to be the future of protein. So you know, yeah, there you go. So well. we might as well get used to it while we still can. Um, um, speaking of uh, future of protein, here's someone who can suck a dick. Uh, <laughs> Joe Arpaio. Oh my God! Fuck that guy. Trump uh, pardoned America's toughest sheriff, Joe Arpaio. America's America's 
America's most <laughs> oldest, most Italian Gestapo. In trying to catch up on Arpaio, he is a real he's a real piece of work in a in a lot of ways. That I, I it's it's just that I don't understand why you'd want to pardon this guy, other than his objectively horrible racism. He's also just a the way he read sheriff. He's a bad sheriff. He's he he had Arpaio radio. He had it's K like Capo. He or tried something. to uh, fake his own uh, assassination. <laughs> <laughs> he admitted to having concentration camps. He like just ba- he a, would a keep, lot of his program seems to be humiliating people. He would yeah. He would make people wear pink underwear. He would yeah. keep people in 145 degree heat in the Arizona. People routinely died in his cells, and they didn't keep track of how many. Why would? I don't understand. There's just a special place in hell for this moron. Like, like, he's just, I don't understand why, who are these other people that are, they just like him just because he's just so, he's like, well, I'm, I'm tough on uh, illegal. I mean, I, I'm loath to defend like Jeff Flake or John McCain, but like apparently this move has actually caused a rift between, you know, Trump and them. They're like, why did you do this? Like yeah. he, he got convicted of, of contempt. He, he openly flouted the Wasn't law. He, isn't he going to primary Jeff Flake now? I thought, I, he's there was too a, old. He's 85 years old. You're, but still, it's like, I mean, he said, I read, I don't know where it was, but I read a source that said, he's like, yeah, I'll was run it for Breitbart. His, it was Breitbart. It was Breitbart. I was on Breitbart today. Um, this is the thing that I want to say about the Joe Arpaio thing. Um, one of the, the main dynamics that's unique to this country is uh, immigration debate is that immigra- so xenophobia exists everywhere. Right. Brian, xenophobia exists everywhere. Really? We all... What about Lichtenstein? We all must learn to not hate, <laughs> but we all secretly do hate <laughs> all over the world. I don't know who I'm being. And, You're being uh, Lichtenstein. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. And, uh, yeah, you don't need, you don't need um, you know, the idea, the specter of illegal immigration to be xenophobic. You just have to have, you know, job insecurity due to many other factors that they yeah. don't want to talk about and or, or contend with. And um, racism, you know, and there's yeah. not that many and, and a few other things. And, yeah. and, you know, just the idea of like stasis is preferable and you have your tribe and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Xenophobia is a very natural reaction um, among like masses of people. So in this country, in most places, in, like in Europe, for example, they have like laws that um, like expressly let people in. I mean, Angela Merkel, like expressly right. let in a bunch of Syrian refugees and it caused a bunch of problems with her body politic. Mm-hmm. And... Um, and in this country, we don't really have that. It, the problem we, we can we can let the the discussion around illegal immigrant around immigration that people don't like rest on the premise of legality. Yeah. And basically, what that allows is that you can have specters of sheriffs that you know basically torture people, and he can call himself instead of America's most racist, <laughs> most actively uh, uh, racist man, he can be America's toughest sheriff. And Trump, instead of being like, I'm throwing red meat to the base that right. is pissed off because I'm committing us to, you know, 16 more years of, of Afghanistan, he, he can throw red meat to them and be like, law and order, law and order. And it kind of redounds to this really simple can't. And it's bullshit. And I think that what needs to be called out and what my point is that I'm making is calling out, this is not law and order. Joe Arpaio epitomizes the fact that it's oh, not yeah. he, he's he is breaking the law he broke the law he yeah. had to be pardoned from from the action of the from the reach of the law it and and it exposes that the xenophobia that exists against mexicans is in in like the south is largely to do with with racism and and not the the it, i i want to strip it of the comfort of saying we're just trying to enforce the law right and what drives me nuts about this argument all the time is first of all 
geographically, geographically and economically, those areas are essentially integrated, I think. The re- so the reason why there's such tension is because we're kind of trying to force this artificial border on an area that is both both economically interdependent for legal reasons and illegal reasons, both for the for the legal reasons of just NAFTA and the way that trade moves across borders naturally between the United States and Mexico. Illegal reasons. Between for, any two countries. Between right. any two countries, but particularly ones that share a large border, right. the, that neighboring border. And that for illegal reasons because of the massive drug trade and money or like the tourism that goes back and forth between the United States and Mexico. Not to mention that because of the trade agreements that we have with Mexico right now, a lot of the people that are coming over right now aren't Mexican immigrants. They're mostly from Central America and they're mostly kind of essentially refugees from states that are failing or they're from like... Or or the MS-13. MS-13. Yeah, 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 so like El Salvador and... Um, well, El Salvador, which is essentially a colony of the United States, and also its political trouble right now is a direct result of... Yeah, or, so many of them, yeah. Uh, it's a direct result of the United Nicaragua, States yeah. inter- in, in Nicaragua and Honduras, all direct results, Guatemala, direct results of intervention by the United States, like School of America's graduates um, that that were interfering with their government and uh, and trying to instill a... Yeah, a, and, and when I say Mexican, a, I mean, like, they. I, I'm saying that because, like... You know that's the the discourse. Like Trump right. has would talk about them as Mexican. Well, that's what drives me nuts about it. These people can't it, even. It is be, definitely, it, and a lot of them are like kids escaping that violence. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So that and that's that is a problem, and that's certainly we have something we have to deal with. But the, these the people you're like you're saying it's just an excuse to. And Joe Arpaio was was locking people up. They weren't illegal immigrants. They were immigrants for sure, but there were people that were here legally and working, and it was just was just profiling people and locking them up because they're like well, it, so it wasn't even veiled. Critic like xenoph it wasn't veiled racism or xenophobia. It was just like we are racist and xenophobic, and because you're on this territory, we can we can just lock you. But up he, but it, that's the thing. He doesn't have to say that because he can say I'm just enforcing the law. In fact, what his, his main line that he's had uh, for his whole career, has, which has been a publicity f- hounding career. I mean, he just loves being in the spotlight. Has been I'm enforcing the laws. If you don't like it, change the laws. But at this point, you're no longer changing the law. Like you're not enforcing the law. Right. The the court said you're not. You yeah. know, you you are going above and beyond. You're yeah. this is cruel and unusual punishment. And so it rips the specter of legality off of it. It's like, no, the, the truth is they would fucking try to kill those people and kick them out if they were here completely legally a lot, which some of them are. Yeah. There's a lot of mixed status households that are like right. completely victimized by Joe Arpaio. Yeah. And that's that's what that's again that drives me insane. Whereas people that are just trying to act like, well, they're if they just did it people the people that are the ones that support the Joe Arpaio is like, well, if they just did it legally, if they just I'm like, well, first of all, they're locking up people that are here legally and he's doing something illegal. So that's two like that's two things. And second, you don't you don't have the ability. You're just looking for an outside way to point your problems at somebody else, and it's really easy to point that at somebody who is an immigrant, whether they're here illegally or not, and they they have a job and they're working. Whether you, and you potentially don't, or you think you see it as a, a threat to your culture, your society. When it's like, look, man, they're not they're not stealing your jobs. They're not undercutting you. Like right now, there's really no net like flood of of Mexican immigrants into the United States. There was actually a net outflow yeah, for was, a while. Yeah, because the economy sucked. It was after particularly after the financial crisis because yeah. they're all working essentially construction contractor jobs that were off the books and they could just and when those jobs went what dried up, there was no reason to be here. And like but these people are also essentially why do you think do you think they, they like to think of the avatar of the person, the Mexican immigrant that's coming here and like stealing jobs or whatever as it's like as if they actively thought they're like, oh you know what, I gotta go to America and steal, you know, John Doe or 
Joe the plumber's job. They're just they're people that are just like, well, obviously there's I'll I'll make the calculated risk that my the opportunity for me is better in that place than where I'm currently at. <laughs> like you know, and and they they just don't have any empathy or humanity to understand that like somebody would make that decision to like put their livelihood and themselves at both. Yeah, like, they, they tried so much harder to be American than you did. Yeah, which exactly. is one of my main reasons why. I mean, I totally understand. Like, yeah, enforce the law. Except for first of all, you're dealing with human beings. You're, these are not like illegals. Right. These are human beings that have like, gone through hell right. and beyond to try to become uh, like you know basically. Contributing members to a society just to stay in their families, they want the same thing as everyone does, and to treat them as um, as just this this problem to be solved is totally counterproductive. It's counter it's it's immoral to begin right. with, but it also like it, it, those people also don't understand the economic implication of um, you know trying to rid yourself of a completely fungible workforce. I mean, these are the ideal Republican people. They have their extremely traditional family. They're nuclear. They have uh, no protections. They're only worth what the market's worth and worth paying them for. You know, like I, I think this is where, and this is where I think actually I just came up with a great idea. And this is what the democratic party should be doing at all costs. And they should be doing what they did at the turn of the 20th century with Irish and Italian immigrants, where they took them off the boat and they said they gave them a job and they gave them, or like worked with them to give them a access to the American economy. Granted where it's very different now in the 21st century, but it's kind of a similar thing where it's like, if they gave like patronage or like built a base and so like, Hey, somebody from the democratic party or the Republican party, whoever takes advantage of this could really influence that region of the country for the, like for the foreseeable future. They just, instead of just like nitpicking over these xenophobic ideas, if instead of the democratic party just being like kind of feckless and sitting on the sideline, they were like, instead of those guys who are just going to be like antagonistic to you, come over to our, our house and we'll set you up and we'll, we'll be good to you. And then like, and we'll build Venga, mi casa, casa. <laughs> Democratico. Yeah, totally. The Democrats, uh, unfortunately are far too stupid to be thinking. I don't this. understand. But That's... luckily the Republicans are far too stupid to be understanding the changing demography. I think that is happening in a natural way. I think yeah. the community is lifting itself. But they up. could think they could just, Accelerate the process, uh, you know. Yeah, they, they totally. get, you know, no, 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 no. You're, I, I totally agree. I'm not. Yeah, I mean, there's a great line in a book, uh, one of my favorite books, called "Boss" about Chicago. And didn't they make America. that an HBO series? <laughs> with, Kel- with, Kel- with Kelsey Grammer <laughs> That's a Kelsey Grammer <laughs> No I, I'm not talking about that um, There's also uh, Baby Boss I think Which is an Alec Baldwin no, boss, comedy Boss, boss Baby, baby. Sorry. <laughs> I'm never going to forgive myself for that yeah. No but it, they, they said that when uh, You know Irish He was talking about racism He's like yeah It's easy to say that uh, You know the Irish face discrimination too Except for a lot of times You know 10 days after they got off the boat in Chicago, there's no boats in Chicago, but you know, yeah, they got uh, off the train, the, off the train, yeah, they got off the walking yeah. <laughs> uh, with their bindles. They were cops, you know, yeah. because there was yeah. a brotherhood and there was, you know, right. that's who controlled what. And right. I think that a lot of there is a lot of connections. There's a lot of a, a vibrant network of Latino immigrants that are coming up and they're giving and they're supporting each other, and that's great. And that's exactly what and you know, it's worth dwelling on because um, this is kind of gets to the heart of like the race discussion in this country. Um, I remember, I don't know if this is still the case, but um, a couple of years ago, I was writing for a Latino website. Now it's called Latinx. Ooh, Latinx. Latinx. <laughs> that uh, sounds like a Latin condom. <laughs> <laughs> a, not, a gender neutral condom. Because you don't know, just because you, you're using a dick to fuck somebody does not mean you are a man. Um, but uh, the, um, it was preferred to not say uh, Hispanic because. 
the theory was that um, and it was Latino at Latino at the time, and now it's Latinx was the preferred term among the super woke. Right. You say woke in Spanish. Uh, despiertas. Los despiertas. <laughs> um, and uh, the reason was because the theory was that um, when uh, you know there's this process of welcoming um, successive you know groups identities into the white fold. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, in the 80s, there was this move. I don't know if this is true. I, I've looked into it a little bit. It seems to be true enough that there was this move that under Reagan to bring Latino people finally under the white fold. And um, and so the idea of, of saying Hispanic as an official census term, uh, they've always been called, you know, affiliated with the language of Spain because they right, speak right. it. Yeah. But calling them that instead of Latin, which is, you know, refers to the, the geography America, of it, yeah. Yeah, the brownness of it, yeah. um, affiliates that more with the European identity of Spain as uh, opposed to the Latin identity of, you know, like Los Indios and stuff. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so, and, and so that was, and so to try to reject that, that, that overture toward whiteness, yeah. uh, the, pr- the preference was to, to spurn that and, and be brown instead. Oh. Um, yeah. And, and, um, Regarding and, and by the way, just a, a couple points that we've covered. Um, yes, like regarding uh, the just people that are mixed status that are being afflicted by Joe Arpaio. Apparently, seventy percent of the people that are in his jails are have not been not been sentenced yet. Oh, you know, they're, so they're it's, waiting like worse, it's worse than Rikers yeah. Island. It's, it's uh, yeah, yeah. It, like, it, that's it, nuts. Totally. Yeah. And um, uh, and and the best example to your point about uh, just it, this is the easiest thing to uh, blame. It's easy to blame immigrants if you're dumb and you don't understand what's going on. Um, is the the opioid epidemic that we have in this country has a pretty obvious identifiable cause. It's that they've been overprescribing fucking opioids oh, yeah. for you know twenty five years, or yeah. whatever. And any any you broke your arm. Here's a case of of <laughs> I got a, Vicodin. I got a, a goddamn Vicodin prescription of entire uh, jar or whatever the bottles worth. Um, for a root canal that I didn't, or not a root canal for my, my wisdom teeth. Oh my god! I literally didn't need any painkillers, and I was you know 18 years old, and they yeah. gave it to me. And I should have just sold them at high school. I think my sister did it instead. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, and I mean, and yet you look at the way that the discourse about it is on the campaign trail, and you know, this Trump is promising to end you know the the flow of of drugs. And drugs are so bad to opioids. The best, the biggest problem I hear opioids in the the crack or the heroin den of New New Hampshire that voted right. You know. Yeah, and and it's to the point that he's so fucking stupid. He's so up his own ass with this. Is he thinks this is the case that remember he was saying like the wall has to be transparent because you know when they throw the drugs over the wall, sometimes if it's not transparent, you can be on the other side and it can hit you in the head and the drugs hit you right in the head and that's how you get addicted to opioids. that was the best line that was so great because that was again you know that's been said before but that he clearly didn't understand that somebody said like there needs to be transparency in the contracting of this and also that the idea that he thinks that there's just going to be this pedestrian mall next to the wall <laughs> where people are just going for a sunday stroll it's like well i wanted to go look into mexico and like <laughs> I to make sure i can see mexico yeah. <laughs> and, and to your other point it's it the, this is another reason why the wall is so fucking dumb i mean not that anyone needs convincing but um, uh, there are, you know, I, I read a, a, a story recently about a town in northern Mexico that was uh, the victim of like a huge Los Zetas massacre, right? Yeah. And the people in this town go shopping in Texas. Like, yeah. They, 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 it's, it is completely integrated. Yeah. Well, it's like El Paso is pretty much El Paso. You don't know. And El Paso has a very uh, left leaning mayor and it's a very blue town. They, they just like if there is a wall in between, it would it would screw up the entire economy of our town. You openly move back and forth between both sides of the border all the time. Yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, so anyway, so fuck Joe Arpaio, fuck the specter of know, just enforcing the law. Another case of a Trump just blatantly just like has he just has one person tasked on saying Meg and I were talking about this mo- this morning where it's like he just has one person who's assigned to it. it's like okay let's reverse order everything that Obama did like we're just gonna just do that in reverse yeah. we're just gonna undo it. No, no <laughs> one was calling for it except for the most red meat of the base and Trump just d- just decided to throw them something. Uh, yeah, he, he's an idiot. Um, Okay, let's very quickly uh, go into this last topic. Um, do you have any thoughts on uh, Sebastian Gorka? Gorka! Yeah, he's great. Um, I'm going to miss him very much in the White House. Uh, I'm, uh, you know, James Adomian's uh, impression on um, Hunchapo Trap House is one of the best things I've ever heard. Uh, I actually haven't heard that. I've heard everyone talk. About, I know. I'm oh, sorry. my God. It's I the funny. He's done it three or four times now. And every time I, I've played it for everyone. Meg is so sick of me because I'll be like, can I listen to Gorka again? Because it just like makes me laugh so hard because he's just like he's like a Dr. Evil. He's Austin. It's like Austin Powers. Um, and he also has his his degree in political science or whatever it is essentially from like Hollywood upstairs medical college or something like that. Yeah. Like, yeah like, or Hollywood upstairs political science college, um, which we will be attending when we move out when to we LA. Move out to LA <laughs> we're definitely going to go get the Gorka, 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 Gorka degree. Um, um, but he just like, but it, yeah, I'm going to sorely miss him, but I hope he does make more rounds on the cable news channels now and, and still advocates for uh, his positions. I, I don't really, I, I didn't read his full farewell letter but i know it's it pretty insane. stupid it, it, he yeah. writes like ayn rand uh it's like very stilted very formal you know you can tell that he always uses the masculine pronoun to refer to like mankind and like when an individual has a choice to make he must decide the route of freedom yeah yeah, yeah. he thinks he's yeah he thinks it's a cross between an ayn rand character and a bond villain and uh it's just disappointing so now the core crew now it's gonna get i wonder if it's gonna get boring or it's like now that trump's just kind of caged in by these by just boring Rex it's, Tillerson and nobody, John, John I mean, Kelly. The, and it's not going to get boring in the sense that Trump doesn't want to be boring. He still has no idea what the fuck he's doing. So there's going to be new chaos all the time. Um, I mean, it's just going to be sh- shittier. Like, it's just going to continue getting shittier until we probably die. Yeah. Um, the thing I want to say about Gorka was this. In his resignation letter, um, he, or not in, actually not in his letter, he was, it was the interview he gave to Breitbart. Um, and, uh, which is like you know, I just like well because now they're all having a they're having a, a yeah they're, they're revived they, yeah, yeah. yeah and they're but they're also firing off because they lost their boy their boys now are gone they're they're well they're, but they've been they've been reinserted into the fucking you know the the punditry bloodstream right um, um, they they used to ha- they had no power in the White House because there's no one that has any power including the president of the White House because they can't do anything right so they go from a completely ineffectual Gorka was pretty ineffectual in the White House too I think yeah um, well he, you know, he didn't Bam have didn't really do anything he was on some kind of list security list he didn't make a security clearance because I think it was something like I don't want to say it was that he got caught drunk driving, but it was something like he had something on his record that made him ineligible to be cleared for security. So his whole job, which was like briefing on security stuff, he couldn't do. So he's just kind of sitting around the White House <laughs> hanging out. You know, like he didn't really have any responsibility and 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 couldn't like couldn't have access to security clearance levels that would yeah, like uh, w- yeah. provide him, which is what he wanted. Which but I mean, Steve Bannon could have got had security access, and he was actually on the think National Security Council for yeah. like ten days, and he still didn't get anything done. You know, like yeah. nothing could get done in the White House. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so in his speech to Breitbart or, or the the interview that he gave to them, 
And, and the thing I was going to, the tangent I was going to go off on that was that I can't think of that guy, Matt, what's his face, the editor from Breitbart, without thinking of the interview that Bill Maher did with him and how fucking frustrated I was that Bill Maher, like, gave him a pass. Because Bill Maher sees himself now as, like, defender of free yeah. speech. And it not, like, no one was like, hey, you can fucking dress up in a suit and tie and speak properly, but you're still, I see what you are. You know? Yeah. You're not fooling anyone. We, we, I thought we eradicated you, and you're still here, and we're going to have to eradicate you again. Yeah. Um, but anyway, this guy wrote this uh, article, but Sebastian Gorka was saying, it's going to be very, very fun to see the lefty. They're going to freak out and the globalists are going to be really the globalists. The glo- it sounds the same. Gorka voice, Alex Jones voice, globalists. <laughs> globalists. <laughs> and yeah, and, and I, it got me thinking like, you know, the glo- why, why the globalists? You know, like it's. It, on the one hand, it's like obvious. It's just like this anti-elitism thing, which has been a strain in conservatism for like the last like 50 years. I think uh, a hundred years. It's, it's just isolationism. I think is its root in my mind. Uh, I mean, I, it's partially start. start like, the, yeah. But, uh, where, whenever I mean, it could have been. I think there's there's strains of everything and everything, yeah, right? Yeah. I think that there's. I, I read an article in the Atlantic, <laughs> not about shitting, uh, <laughs> but rather about this guy James M Buchanan. That was a um, uh, he was a very influential counterintelligentsia guy in uh-huh. the 70s, and like you know, it's been around for a while. Yeah, it's like yeah, let's let's burn down the elite. The yeah. elites in their ivory tower in conservatism. But then again, that didn't stop, you know, th- that Buchanan ideology didn't stop, you know, a string of plutocrat corporatists from ruling the party, you know? Right. And that, and, and the party has always for the last, you know, I think in, in living memory, the Republican party and conservatism in general has been basically using symbology to sit on top of this electorate that wants Americana and, you know, stasis um, and then the brain of this organism is corporatism, basically, and, right. they, and they go for deregulation. And they and whenever there's new laws passed, they portion out the costs of it to like smaller businesses as opposed to big business, and they permit tax inversions and all this stuff that is fundamentally at odds with what the populism element of the party wants. And I have a theory on this, and I just want to get it out, and then we can discuss. Um, because the question is, why globalism? Why is that the enemy? And I think it's that. Um, uh, it start you you had you had this 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 kind of peace between the the populist side of it and the and the corporate side of it uh, that worked for a while, but inequality at some point got um, drastic enough that the it, it became too hard to ignore, and so they had to start piecing together this very narrow fragile coalition on the right, mm-hmm. and so they had to start making it more and more Manichaean. So. Um, you know, you had to start making it, okay, it was, you know, now it used to be like, we don't like the incursion of, uh, you know, the government in Brown versus Board of Education or whatever. Right, so right. Now we don't like anything the government does, you know, so the entire political spectrum aside from us starts to go become illegitimate. So now, you know, now, then you get like, I want the government small enough that I can drown it in a bathtub, you know, and then you get eventually, you have to keep ratcheting up as, as inequality increasingly makes it impossible to have populists, you know, workers on the same side as the corporatists, you have to keep ratcheting up what you're opposed to to keep defining your own identity, which is increasingly uh, frayed. And so then you get to the point where, okay, now all the Democrat, everything they do is bad, you know, and you, you just ratcheting it up, right, ratcheting right, it up, right. and then it yeah. becomes anti-objective truth. So like anti-science, anti-history, you know, yeah. the war of Northern aggression, all this bullshit. And at some point, I think we're at a point where the 
it has it's like Republicans versus who is finally turned into the fucking world. It's yeah. like we live on a globe. We live on a globe that is def- that is increasingly accessible. It's connected. You yeah. can buy plane tickets to anywhere. And any political ideology that you have has to acknowledge that it has to be founded in that. And the idea of globalism doesn't have to mean that you would adhere to like what the WTO says, because there's plenty of leftists. Leftists originated the resistance. Battle Battle of Seattle. (laughs) Exactly. And, uh, you know, and that actually has a more vibrant, more, more, uh, co-it, more co-it, uh, approach to, uh, to resisting that. The problem is that it, it, it's, it's just that we live in a globe and, and it's the, the largest ontology (laughs) <laughs> so far that the Republican kind of identity yeah. can, can it set itself up in, a, in opposition to, and I don't know what's next, the, but the reason the, my, my thoughts, my thought on this is that the reason why, and there, this is the end stage of it, but the reason why they choose globalists is out of sheer laziness. And here's my explanation is that they, it's much easier to explain that there is a group of, of malintentioned like a secret cabal of people. It's why conspiracy theories have such an appeal that control everything and pull the strings on the, in this elaborate game that is government. And that's why Gorka and Bannon had this appeal. Cause they're like, Oh, there are guys who know who see through the, this veil that, that they're actually, and they're going to penetrate this, this, uh, Jesse Ventura. I've seen a lot of <laughs> secrets revealed and now I'm going to do the same thing to you. Uh, miss Jesse in public life. Also another great James Adomian, uh, impression. Um, but uh, so they, they see this they, they see this as the, the like that's their laziness. They, they're like, look, I don't want things to change. I don't want my life to change. I just want to enjoy high school. They're the people that like think back to high school quarterbacks and like they're like, those are my glory days. It's the same people. They're like, yeah, the best time was when I was drinking beer with my buddies, seventeen. We could get a factory job right out of high school, and they just can't wrestle with the idea that they're like, okay, like the world, like I'm gonna have to deal with like Muslim people, or I'm gonna have to deal with Mexicans, or I'm gonna have to deal with like that. Our economy is gonna service an international sector of the like Chinese people in China or India or wherever. Like, and that's, and I think that it's eh. totally reasonable to want to just watch high school football and you know, and like, yeah. that's fine. And you want to have a, access to a job, but. What's frustrating is that when the ravages of globalist capitalism are realized, which has many benefits. I mean, we right. live in a time of unprecedented peace. You know, I, like we, we've talked about this many times before. We couldn't um, have a podcast 10 years ago. <laughs> no, we couldn't have afforded the shit that global capital. I mean, yeah. like all there are many benefits, but it also has ravages. And, and any attempt to uh, c- to mitigate the damages of it have come from you know, liberals basically, yeah. or the left to some yeah. degree. And the, the party that was most interested in giving those people, you know, union access to a union that like, wasn't going to get completely deconstructed, you know, so that they could continue just enjoying high school football. Yeah. And they and they vote against it because of this alliance that is very openly framed. Well, it's and it's it's just good. It's good marketing. That that's what it is. That there's good there's good PR against. They're like, well, you like freedom, don't you? Well, if you like freedom, then you don't want the union guy telling you what to do, or you don't want the like you you do you're you're the king of the castle, right? Not these globalists. You run. You're American. You're freedom, right? Not this person in New York City who's working like like in the UN. Yeah. What's that? What's that? Uh, you know, what's that queer going to tell you? Uh, uh, Jew queer. Yeah, exactly. And and a lot of it is racism too, because, uh, um, you know, I think that one of the inflection points where it was like, okay, everyone likes social security. Right. Right. And and I think the most conservatives were happy to not see old people on the street, but when they started to impose themselves in desegregation, you know, that's really when like, I think the idea of, um, 
So like the, the language is southern little, strategy. Yeah, this, like, yeah, this, yeah, exactly. And I think that's when the idea of government overreach became this really toxic idea on yeah. the right. Like they're they're coming for you, your culture, and they're and they're and they also that they fundamentally don't know what they're doing. That yeah, this is an other, you know. Yeah. Well, yeah. It also it just it just is lazy. It's just a way of like, well, I'm just gonna blame the other guy. It goes back to what we we're talking about with the Mexico thing, where it's just like it's it's easier to blame other people than to like have some a moment of self reflection and realize, well, actually, the world is a pretty complicated place, and I can think of things in the context. Of, you know, there's a lot of in- inputs that are going on here, but it's just easier for me to buy to buy hook, line, and sinker that my freedom is being taken away by a secret cabal of people in New York City or in in what's it called what's the place in Switzerland that they or build like Bilderberg, Bilderberg or, yeah. <laughs> uh, or and Davos, Davos. That's where Davos is a problem. Well, Bilderberg right? also too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Or like at the um, the Rothschild you know, at like one of the sec- secret meetings, in, you know, off the coast of Georgia or in like the uh, but the, so Savannah, Georgia, Savannah, Georgia. Yeah. Um, so that's what um, the, 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 I think in my mind, that's what it's going on. It's just people looking again, looking for a case and looking in the other as opposed to being self-reflective and really thinking about or and they're also just people that are lazy. I mean, this happened to me this weekend when I was I got into an argument with a person who was clearly a Fox News watcher about they were talking about the statues being taken down. And I was talking about I'm like, look, I actually know I read a lot about the Civil War. I know the history. Most of those statues are put up in the fifties and sixties or in the twenties as a direct response to like advances in integration of society or advances in civil right laws. I'm like, no, well, what about this in USC? They, they named the horse traveler and that's like, that's the Robert E. Lee's horse. So somebody petitioned USC to change the horse's name. I was like, dude, I haven't heard that. And I don't give a shit about the horse's name in USC. I do. that true. I don't know. I didn't look it up, but it might be true. And that's ridiculous. And, and I don't think maybe that's overstepping just because the horse had the same name as Robert E. Lee's horse. That's ridiculous. And I'd agree to that. But I, I hadn't. He clearly heard it. He had been clearly watching Tucker Carlson or some other asshole and got these talking points like that's overstepping. That's political correctness gone mad. I'm like, yeah, I'm not I'm not fighting you on that. However, I do think statues to a guy who openly rebelled against the United States government to for the explicit reason of owning other people, <laughs> like the right to own other people, even if he was a good guy in all other ways, is still we're not going to put we're, the statue has to come down. I'm sorry, you lose, and then, and it's not a secret cabal to get rid of your history or get rid of your freedom or whatever. It's just that that's you you lose. But like, my point is that these people just take talking points directly from the fo- like the 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 the, yeah. the Fox News or they're very, definitely very gullible. Yeah, they're just they're just like it's just easier to hit that. It's like even if you catch yourself on the internet some days and you fall down like a YouTube rabbit hole or whatever of something that's like kind of you're already pre-biased to like. I, I find myself doing this all the time where I'll just – and I try to catch myself doing it. But if it's just already reinforcing your beliefs and you're just going to get – it just kind of gets you amped up and people just aren't like pr- programmed to really process that information. So they just hear from whether it's Breitbart or wherever that is like, yeah, it's this globalist cabal of people that's making your life terrible and then you can blame it on them yeah. as opposed to – just like that's that's my – my theory or hypothesis is just like it's just much easier to just have Tucker Carl like Tucker Carlson's yeah, fat mouth yeah. tell you tell you like well you can't take away my history and uh, and, and I think it is yeah I think it is their history and it's like dude they these people they, they were much different society you know they yeah. probably wouldn't have accepted any, yeah most of the mores that you have and yeah anyway um all right and by the way I I, just, I don't I don't think this, we should talk about a different day whether the statues have to come down. I don't think they should. I think that they I think it should be a, a local decision. I like the fact that like it, it was a local decision to I bring think, down the lot Robert E. Lee statue. Yeah, we can talk about it a different day. Well, no, we'll talk about it. I guess that's a topic for another discussion. But yeah, like, it's a long topic. I still think that my museum neutral museum idea is a good solution. What's that? I think just have a National Civil War museum and we put them all we'll put the good ones 
it, like we'll put a really good Robert E. Lee one, and we'll be like, "Hey, this happened," and then we'll all talk about it. Well, they like, fucked up the Native American Museum or the American Indian Museum, and they did you know there's no mention of like the Trail of Tears in the Native American Museum that they built in Washington D.C. Really? Yeah, it's a joke. It's like I was like, "Where the fuck is all the genocide?" <laughs> yeah, it's nowhere. Yeah, that's pretty messed up. Yeah. yeah all right. I, well, anyway, well, we're gonna speaking of genocide. Our friends in Tajikistan. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, we are we are we're not leaving you hanging. You're coming. We're coming back. As our friends in Indonesia, uh, Ontario, Canada, and also we gotta we gotta drop the name of the next podcast. Oh yeah. So uh, I'll let you no. Know, I'll leave Lenny. That's that's on you. Oh, by the way, I'm Brian Pizzano. <laughs> my co-host here. Yeah, I'm Lenny Franco. But the but what's important is that the next. Uh, podcast we're going to do is going to be under a different name. The name is Van 13. A lot of you don't know what that means. And you'll never know. And you'll ne- and you, maybe you never will. Yeah. Maybe Some we'll- of you might. Some of our, one of our staunch listeners in uh, in Connecticut might know what it means. Ooh. Yeah. yeah. So shout out to Connecticut. <laughs> he knows who he is. Yeah. Listen to the end of the episode. Will he? Will he listen to this whole episode? We'll find out when he comments. Yeah. It, yeah. You have to comment on this part. Comment and like. And our, our anyway, team. also, I uh, love the team that I drafted. So, uh, All right. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Shout out to Jajikistan and Indonesia. And Boardman. Hanoi. Boardman, Oregon. Hanoi, Vietnam. We love you still. I'm Djibouti. Still chill. Djibouti. Don't even bother downloading Band 13. You're off. You're off. All right, have a good one. Everybody. Yeah.